I remember instances where I was having a drink break and they were asking me about like a date I went around with a girl and I had to make stuff up it, like on the spot. I was in two other professional teams in Australia before coming to Adelaide United and they were environments where I would definitely not come out. I'm just not going to stop what I'm doing because what I'm doing is paving a way for the future generations and for everyone at the moment. <laughs>
Yeah, we'll change. I'm interested to see if like women footballers get a prestige in the same way. Like, you know, like Alicia Lehman and like Lauren James. Yeah, Lauren James. When this episode comes out, which is in a few days, the Lauren James thing would have still been quite recent. <laughs> we spoke about it with, with Graham. Yeah, maybe we can ask him about that. But just about what I was saying, though, the prestige thing is also as you go up the ranks, like the reason it's so big at Academy or Turning Pro at 19 is because like it's the whole culture is associated there. So as you go up in school, it's cool to be in the A team. And then it's cool to be in academy and you're like taking a day off school to go play football or whatever. But that that's not going to come with girls for ages. Like, yeah, fine. There's something about being at the top. But think about, think about F1, for example. It's not cool to be a go-kart driver, but that's how you have to start. You have to be a 12-year-old go-karter. But anyway, I'm excited to talk to Josh about football. I feel like my knowledge of football has increased so much even since yesterday, like the discussions we were having. So maybe I'll be a little bit more qualified in today's interview. We'll see. I mean, all your football knowledge is just atrocious, to be honest, in my in my eyes. But what was it? You support he supports Liverpool. I'm doing the air quotes for those listening on Spotify. And he honestly, Oli, can you name five footballers who play at Liverpool? No, who's the um, who's the um, who's the Dutch like best defender? We mean Van Dijk, bro. Van Dijk. Oh, that! Oh, we are definitely not cutting that. We are def- we are okay. definitely keeping that here. That's terrible. That, that's enough. Anyway, welcome back to the bakery, everyone, <laughs> where we break bread with the world's finest. Today, we're super lucky to be sitting down with the amazing Josh Cavallo. From the soccer pitch to the landscape of life, Josh has become an embodiment of embracing yourself, and he's inspired loads of people along the way. We're going to talk to him about breaking barriers, his football journey from when he was younger. How to, how to become authentic, the transformative power of authenticity. We're really looking forward to talking to him and how being genuine can truly change the game and how to face adversity in that way. Yeah, it's going to be a really big episode. My my sister was really gassed for me to do it. He's, he's a big figure, eh, both in the football world and the culture and, and the popular culture. And I'm, I'm really excited for this interview. We're really lucky to have landed it, to be honest. And I'm excited for him to join the call. It's currently, I think it's 4 p.m. where he is right now in the in Australia. But it's uh, it's like 8.30 in the morning for Ollie and I. So we woke up bright and early to get everything set up. And we're still a little bit drowsy, but uh, this this call is, is really waking me up. Well, yeah, this is helping me, um, you know, really channel facing adversity and talking about that because I had a hard time getting out of bed this morning. So it's going to be an interesting discussion. <laughs> I, I'm sure that's the exact same thing that Josh faced, right? Oh, you know, obviously not. But anyway, I think he's going to be joining in a second. So, uh, oh, look, he's calling now. Hi, Josh. Thanks for joining the call. Thanks for having me, boys. It's a pleasure to be here today. Man, super exciting. I was just saying to Lucas just now, we got up bright and early for this, <laughs> which is 8.30 in the morning. So maybe not so early for you. But um, what time is it in Australia right now? It's uh, 4 p.m., so okay. just finished all day of training, and now it's time to just tranquilo, relax, get some dinner sorted, get an early night sleep in. <laughs> how, did your, how did your training go today? Was all good? Yeah, it was uh, pretty busy. It started quite early, as I said before. I was up at 4.30, so um, that's pretty normal for uh, my everyday training routine. I get myself wow. ready for training, and then, um, yeah, we finish around 3, 3 o'clock, depending on what day it is but yeah it's um it's been really good 
Um, been working really hard. Our season starts in about three months, so um, pre-season is well underway. We're about six weeks into it. Uh, we're doing really well at the moment. So, um, yeah, I'm happy with how everything's going in, in Adelaide in Australia. That's cool, man. How busy is your training schedule at the moment? It's like every day, no days off, or how does it work? It's pretty hectic. Um, our coaches made it pretty full on. We've got one day off a week and most days that's our recovery session. So we don't really get a day to ourselves. Um, so yeah, it's um, the life of a professional athlete. Unfortunately, there's no days off, um, but you do get days where it's like a recovery day and you go to a recovery center and you do your ice baths, you do your massages, you do your um, game ready machines and stuff like that. So um, yeah, unfortunately in the world of uh, professional football, there's not many days off you get. <laughs> How do you find the um, ice baths? Oh, I hate it. Bro, oh, really? I go in the ice baths with my socks on. Everyone laughs at me and everyone thinks it's weird, but I swear, if what your toes are cold, that's, that's the thing. If your toes are warm, you're all good. So I go in the ice bath with my socks on. Everyone laughs at me, but that's just what I do. How, how cold is it? Because I've, I've done a few and I try and do like six minutes and like five degrees and I come out and I'm shivering for 20 minutes. It's so tough. Yeah, I think it's about like three degrees or like, oh. yeah, I don't think, I'm not sure. It depends. It just changes on every day. But we've got um, these like tubs at training and it's like one's a heat one and then one's a cold one and they just chuck ice in there. So it just changes all the time. Some days it's like, all right. And then some days it's like, no thanks, 30 seconds, I'm out of here. <laughs> no, I wish I had that though. I've been trying like to get into the ice baths recently and we just like bought a bin and we're just like freezing as much ice as we possibly can and just getting these big Tupperwares and stuff. But it's so hard to do. It makes you like, it, it builds this mentality in your head and like it sucks to do it at the time. But once you mm -hmm. step out of it and once you leave, like you feel like a million bucks. It's just crazy how it works. But it's kind of just something we fit into our daily routine here. And, and yeah, it definitely helps in our recovery process. But yeah, it, it's not a fun thing to do, I tell you what. <laughs> nah, I know, I know. It's, uh, it's often like that. Those things you don't want to do, they make you feel a lot better. But um, I just want to jump into the um, meat of the interview straight away. So since we're the Loaf podcast, we like to ask all our guests. And you actually find out, surprisingly, it sounds like a stupid question. You actually find out quite a lot about your guests on this question. What is your favorite bread? That is so random. Um, my favorite bread is like Vienna. So I'm like half Maltese. So in a traditional, yeah, a traditional Maltese is like having like a big loaf of like Vienna bread and like you fill it with like a lot of like tuna and like salads as well. And like you just eat it like that. So like that Vienna bread's my favorite. And it's, I think it's white bread, yeah. <laughs> You know Hobbs Bazate. Hobbs Bazate, yeah. Yeah. And pastitis and are you Maltese? I'm in water right now. Yeah, I'm half Maltese. Dead set. Yeah. <laughs> See what a small world. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, that that's insane. That's insane. Yeah, so that's my favorite brand. Yeah, you don't get many Maltese people actually. No, you don't. Yeah. I haven't had rabbit in a while, but I'm craving some. But I don't live at home, so. I can't make it. Mum and my nana is really good at making it, but really? I don't know how to make it. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, actually, I have family in Australia because I feel like there's that link between Maltese and Australia. There is. There's a lot of Maltese people in Australia, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw you actually on the cover of a magazine lately. So you're doing, you're doing some big things, uh, probably uh, among like the Maltese cohort, if you can count yourself <laughs> in that, you're probably way at the top there. 
Oh, thank you. No, it's um, it's look, it's all fantastic having like magazines and being on the front covers and stuff. But it's not just the the photo or the image that that oh, we're trying to look good. We're trying to like paint a picture for the next generations and the more the new people to come and the people that are in the world right now that are struggling that is found themselves in a similar situation as me. So it's great having all these messages, but it's uh, it's important that we get the right message across in this, having been in magazines and stuff like that. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And uh, before we go to what's more serious topics, I was wondering if you know Teddy Toma. No, I haven't heard of him. Okay, no, because he's probably the biggest Maltese footballer right now. I mean, if you want to play for the Maltese national team, I think you're more than welcome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll have to hook that up. I would love to play for the Maltese national team. <laughs> God. Um, yeah, look, it's it's two different pathways. Unfortunately, if you play for the Socceroos in Australia, you can't play for uh, Malta. So you kind of have to choose one. Uh, before you get there but yeah it's um Malta do play some interesting teams they they may not make it to the World Cup but they get to play their qualifying games against England and Portugal and Spain and so it's good exposure as well so it's, it's quite tempting yeah no it's great and now I I remember I invited you originally to the Oxford Union which is how like we got this link originally and um I spoke there in a debate about the Qatar World Cup with Thomas Beatty. I think you know him. Yeah, Thomas Beatty is like one of my closest friends. I spent the summer with him at his place in uh, Fort Lauderdale. So, uh, yeah, he's a very close friend of mine. Yeah, he's such such a nice guy and really powerful. His speech was was really amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, he, we are very close. He's a, he's a major role model to my life and, and to what I've done in my career. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. So I'm very grateful for him. Yeah, I was wondering how he how he might have inspired you um, because he mentioned that he helped you a lot in, in your journey. Yeah. So um, before I came out, I was speaking with Tom for quite some time um, and we were speaking about what field I wanted to go down, whether I wanted to stop playing football and come out, whether I want to come out in football. Um, Cause it was a pretty hard time for myself um, that I hit a brick wall and I didn't want to continue this path of being a closeted footballer anymore. And he was just the light at the end of the tunnel with me. Um, and he helped guide me into the right people, into the right space where I could be myself and become the Josh Cavallo of today. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously helped your personal development so much to be able to be comfortable with yourself and be able to talk about it openly. I was, like, I was wondering as well, do you feel like it's changed your football at all? to not have that kind of like mental stress on you? Do you feel like you've been able to perform better? Yeah, definitely. Look, when I first came out, I told my two coaches at training and I went and trained and had the best training session of my life. And that was only two people in the footballing world that I told. So it honestly felt like 30 kilos coming off my shoulder. It felt really good. So um, it did give me confidence to then tell the team, to then tell the world, to then tell my friends and then come out in that video. Um, and it definitely has an impact on my football. Like the... The easiest way I can explain it to you guys is that for like 24-7, you're with your team, they become like your family and like you live in this constant battle of lying to them and at the same time you want to be their friends but you don't want to get too close because you're not telling them the truth and they're asking you questions about your personal life but you don't want to tell them what's going on in your personal life because you're seeing a guy, you're not seeing a girl and then it's just like it becomes a little bit messy and like for example... I remember instances where I was having a drink break and they were asking me about like a date I went on with a girl and I had to make stuff up like on the spot and like I'm in training, having a training session, we're doing a drill and I'm thinking about the conversation that I'm having with guys about girls 
while I'm performing professional football. So it's just this ongoing battle in your head that it's terrible to live. And that's something I lived for seven years before coming out in the professional world. So, um, yeah, it's definitely improves your development because you're allowed to focus on just entirely football. And it's just absolutely phenomenal to be that, be able to do that today. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing that you made it to professional football with kind of that weight on your shoulders because so much of it is about being close with the people around you and having that team spirit. And the, man, the fact that you managed to build that still and, and get to where you did, keeping that like behind you or within yeah. you. Yeah, I, really um, I was in two other professional teams in Australia before coming to Adelaide United. And they were environments where I would definitely not come out and I did not feel comfortable. I didn't feel comfortable to be myself and open up. And, and it became very isolating. And that's the process where, you know, I was thinking, should I just go work a local job, you know, and be myself and be happy and kind of thing. And then I was went to Adelaide United and I saw the environment they had and how the coaches are and how they embrace everyone's individuality. And it actually gave me a spark to say, oh, it could be possible to be myself here and not get judged, you know. There was, it, was, it was the light at my end of the tunnel in that aspect and it was really nice to see that there was a team that I fit in and I knew if I'm coming out or, or coming out and being who I am that they wouldn't treat me any differently. And I remember when I made the announcement in the change room, all the guys had tears in their eyes and they were just like, Josh, we're so proud of you, but we're just so sad you couldn't tell us earlier because all this time we've known you we didn't know this side of you and like you've been hiding this from us and we just feel so bad you couldn't tell us and it's hard because it's your own individual battle and sometimes you're not ready to come out certain times so it's hard to explain it to some people but to know that they were there and they all gave me a big hug and the support I needed and the best thing about it after that was like two minutes later we're talking about football again so it just showed that they didn't really care in a good way that um, I came out and I could be the person I am they were just happy for me. Yeah, I mean, I guess then the team, like having good people around you is such an important part of it. So you said you, you didn't really have that before. Did you feel like when you were coming up in football, did you feel like it would never be possible and you would just have to either keep it hidden or, or do something else? Yeah, definitely. I thought when I was younger that I would come out after football. I would never come out in this world, this game of football. Um, I don't know why I looked at it as a weakness. Um, it's just hard because... You want to be the best of the best of the best in your game and, and the best player you can possibly be. And I just looked at that as a weakness of me coming out and being who I am. And, you know, at the end of the day, if two people in the street, or two guys or two girls are holding hands, no one would say anything. So I wanted to make that impact in football. What is the difference that there's two guys on the street holding their hands or there's someone in football that's gay? There's no difference there. So you don't, you don't get to judge or treat me any differently kind of thing. And it goes to show by how it's taken off and where my career's gone to after coming out, um, that it is possible and there is hope there. And like all the little kids now that are growing up that want to pick up a football and play that might find themselves that are gay, that are transgender, that might have that hope of looking at my story and saying, no, Josh Cavallo is doing it so I can do it. So it was a bit difficult when I was younger because there was no one that could pave that way that I could look up to. There was Justin Fashionu that came out that unfortunately um, was quite su was su su suicidal after is uh, coming out. So, yeah, it was just hard to have that leader in that role. And I'm happy that I can do that for people now, that they can look up to that and say, hey, I want to be like this guy. Like, he's successful. He's playing football. He's a professional footballer at the top of his game. And he's gay as well, but who cares? Like, I can do the same thing. So that's the whole point of how I wanted to come out, not only for my help, 
but for people in the future. It's so powerful and we want to extend the congratulations because your story is, is really inspirational and I'm really sure that you've started something quite special here. I was wondering, you said you didn't have anyone really, so just as kids maybe in the future might look up to a Josh Cavallo, was there anyone for Josh Cavallo to look up to? Were there any footballers that you might have looked at and said, I'm going to take some inspiration from them? Yeah, definitely in the football side of things, but in the personal life, there wasn't. Um, okay. There was just constant battle for me of, should I continue football? Should I not continue football? And it was a thing of, do I be happy and come out and be myself? Or do I be a professional footballer? I never thought it could come together. And I said to myself, you know what? It hasn't happened in the world of football before. Why can't it happen? And I want to be that person that is going to do that and change that stigma and change that that thought of it. It's, it's crazy to think, you know, one in 30, we have about 33 players in our team. One in 10 is known to be a, a gay LGBTQ person. So there's billions of teams around the world. You're telling me, that I was the only footballer at the time in football. I don't think so. So I it's like just it. that next step if you look at it in that way. And, you know, it was great. After I came out two months later, I had someone from the coaching staff reach out to me in my team and wanted me to help him in their journey in coming out. And I had no idea that they were um, in the LGBTQ space as well. So it's definitely more common than what we think. And it was nice that I could break the, the barriers in that aspect and open the floodgates to everyone else and show that it is possible doesn't matter what you do or where you come from or what background or or how you are as a person or how you dress and you can it's based on your talent in football so I think that's what I've proved in my coming out you feel pressure having so much almost on your shoulders to to almost help lead this movement I don't think it's pressure I don't look at it as pressure I it really excites me when I look at stuff like this um look I'm not going to lie, there's a lot of hate around it. There's a lot of countries, there's about 67 countries in the world that LGBT, being LGBTQ plus is banned and is criminalised. So there is big football nations within those countries. Um, so I still get a lot of hate to today um, and it is not acceptable. But for me to be the first football and to take that step and to see how many of millions and millions and millions of people around the world that this has influenced and made them become a better person it all makes it worthwhile. You know, when I'm just at my local shops here or at a cafe or just walking in the street and I get a little boy or girl running up to me and say, oh, uh, Josh, I, 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 you don't know me, but like uh, I came out to my parents through your story and you help me feel like there's a place in this world because of your story. And I'm just like, when I hear stuff like that, you know, I don't really care about a troll or a fake profile commenting something on my Instagram or reaching out to me when I can change and make a difference in people in real life. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, do you have any like specific interactions with fans that have like particularly touched you? Do you remember like any? Yeah, they all they're all very personal in their own aspects. Um, they're all very different to each other as well. You know, some people are transgender, some some people are you know um, lesbian, some people are. It, it just it just changes. But to see like the most touching ones would be the little kids that you know think it's kind of like when I was younger. I didn't think it would be cool. Like now it's like they see it as a superpower or they're different and it's like it's like cool for them to be in the LGBTQ space. Like it's so crazy how it's looked differently of how I had it when I was younger. But it's really incredible to see, especially in the younger generation now where they really don't care and it really doesn't bother them 
if you're a boy or you're a girl or, or what you like. Um, so I, I think that's my favorite ones, to be honest with you. It's the younger generation, how it's impacted them. The change takes so long and that's why it's kind of showing more in the younger generations. But I think like we're lucky in a way that when, when you came out, there was already, you had so many positive messages from around the world. And that shows that even though you were bringing that change, it was almost like already on the way, at least to an extent that that change was happening. Because let's say 20 years ago, the football community probably would have reacted completely differently. Yeah, and look, I, I, it wasn't all positive, but um, yes, definitely a lot of role models around the world um, got around it and rallied behind it and did reach out to me and our friends with me to this day. But um, it was really cool to see that uh, those people reach out because their followers and their fans would say, oh, it's acceptable. That's that's okay to have someone like that in my team. Or that's okay to have that that person in my life. Like it shows that all these big people are okay with it. So it's like kind of ricochets down to their followers and makes them think, oh, it's okay to be different. Um, so it was really nice touch to it and to see the support I got and the love I got. Um, but yeah, look, there's still a lot a lot of learning to go and a lot of growing to go in the space of the LGBTQ in, in the world of inclusive sport. So, yeah. No, there is a lot to be done, I think. And it brings me back to what I mentioned about the Oxford Union and Thomas Beattie. And we, we debated, Thomas and I were on the side of we should boycott the Qatar World Cup. And I was wondering, I know it's a heavy topic. What do you think about the Qatar World Cup and all the human rights abuses surrounding that, if you're comfortable? Yeah, well, it was just dangerous what I would say is that like I didn't want to go and represent my country at the highest level if I was selected and then have my life at risk um, for a, a tournament that was placed in a country where I would be frowned upon and I would be criminalized for just existing um, so it did break my heart a bit because at, at the end of the day like your dream is to represent your country your dream is to go to a world cup um, and then to be confronted with a nation that wouldn't budge because of who you are as a person. Like if I wasn't out, I would be completely fine to go and complete, compete in, in this tournament. But because I am who I am, it wouldn't be acceptable. So um, it is it is hard and it does break my heart. But I had so much support in, in all these decisions going forward and so much love from everyone to say that, hey, hang on a minute, that's not okay. Um, and there needs to be a change done. So I definitely think there's a lot of questions and marks raised for, for that World Cup. Um, that if they had their time again, they'll do things differently. But it was nice to see all the love and support that got behind me um, in those difficult times. That's brilliant. Do you, do you feel like things need to change? Do you think maybe a Qatar World Cup number two shouldn't be happening? Well, I think if a Qatar World Cup number two happens, um, it should be handled completely different to how it was handled previously. You know, it's... Um, I don't know, I can't speak on their behalf, but was it too late to make changes when they realised that they did the wrong thing? I don't know, but it's not just for me, it's for the kids watching on television, it's for it's for the other people that are competing at the World Cup that are in the LGBTQ space as well, but aren't out, or it's people in their own field of sport, it doesn't even need to be football, could be another sport, so um, it has a far more impact than what we think, so... Um, yeah, we just have to be careful in how we go by that because there's so many people around us that fall in that category and it's just so heartbreaking to feel when, you know, you're not welcomed into a space because of who you are as a person. I don't know. I think it's kind of, 
it's it's a shame really because it puts the players in, as well in such a difficult position. For for those players who aren't out, obviously you're going to feel unbelievably uncomfortable going and, and feel like you're in danger. And for those players who who um, are heterosexual or aren't part of the LGBTQ plus community, they're put in a really difficult position because they want to support and they want to be allies. But it's the biggest competition in the world, and they feel like you know, like, do I go? Do I not? There was loads of issues around like the personal responsibility of players as well, which I think put a lot of them put like it just puts so many people in a difficult position for to have been held that way definitely yeah it's 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 a hard one it's a difficult one but at the end of the day it's like someone stopping you from being yourself and you from like no one is to tell you how you are what to do when you wake up or how you should think or how you should be or how you should dress so i don't think um that even is a, a foot to stand on in that aspect it's different if you're doing um other stuff but um at the end of the day we're just coming down to being who you are as a person um so it's quite offensive in that way to see that you're not welcomed into a country because of who you are so um yeah we've got a lot of working to do in that space and we're still going you know there was something about uganda passing a law uh recently about the lgbtq laws um being criminalized there and they passed it in their courts so there is still a lot of ongoing stuff that we and battles that we are facing in our life so um yeah it's 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 important to see the role models get around when i came out for example because it shows people like that that doesn't matter who you are and what you do you know you can just be yourself i think it's hugely important especially because um saudi arabia is becoming a big player in football now and i was wondering what you think about that because so much money is pouring into it loads of players are going over there I mean, it could be. It, it's. I feel like it can be quite a big problem in that way. Yeah, it's just sad because it's like if I didn't come out, I'd be able to go there, no problem. Like because I'm out now, is that a burden to go there? Because I'm the first gay f- professional football male player in top tier football. Um, would I be frowned upon for going to Saudi Arabia to play football? Like if you think of it like that, it's absolute nonsense. So. It's disappointing, but coming out has limited where I can play in this world and my, for my safety and for my own life. And at the end of the day, football is my job. And I want to have a life outside of football when I finish and when I retire. So I'll do whatever I need to do to keep myself um, safe in that space. And there is definitely some countries where I will not head to in my um, footballing career, um, just in order to protect my safety. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about um, the personal responsibility of players who are going there? I mean, loads of, loads of players have been criticised for going precisely because of those issues. And for example, you wouldn't be able to do the same thing. So like, for example, just, just one example, I'm not, I'm not trying to pick anyone out, but for example, Jordan Henderson was, was wearing a pride armband, you know, a year or two before he went to Saudi Arabia and now there's been a big deal signed. I wonder how you feel about like the individuals involved and in, in how much responsibility there is there. Yeah, it's tough because it's like, for example, David Beckham um, at the World Cup, he signed um, a huge deal with the World Cup and then he was such an ally for the LGBTQ community and then he didn't say anything when we needed him to speak up and about the Qatar laws and about the hosting the World Cup in Qatar. So that's another example with Henderson there. Um, it's just sad because when everyone jumps on board, it's easy to jump on board, but when the times get difficult and you got to stand alone, like what I did, I stand alone and I made an announcement to the world, this is who I am. And whether you like it or not, I don't care. This is who I am. That's when it's hard. It's easy to jump on board when there's 
a million LGBTQ plus footballers in the world because everyone, it's normal, but it's difficult when you have to be the first one to do it and lead the pack. And for example, Henderson and David Beckham, they didn't have the same courage as what I did to lead the pack. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Jordan Henderson, he wrote, I don't want to, again, like I said, I don't want to pick names, but he wrote like huge respect to Josh for doing this when you came out and he said, it's courageous, shares an important message. And then he moves to Saudi Arabia where human rights abuses are just so atrocious, especially even for like women's football, for example. So it's it's a really, it's a sticky situation, if you know what I mean. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm with you guys on that one. It's just hard um, on my end because I've worked so hard to get to where I am today and I've done so much for the footballing community and LGBTQ space and I will continue to fight for our rights and, and the way we are treated um in the footballing world but yeah it does hurt when you see moves like that or people you know hide behind um stuff when we need them and when we need to count on them but as i said like when i came out both of those people congratulated me and said like how courageous that is but when i did need them they definitely weren't there (laughs) so yeah i feel like to a certain extent money talks as well definitely I was wondering what your vision is now for the future. What's your vision? How do we get there? How do we make a change? Yeah, look, um, I'm not going to be stopping what I'm doing. Look, I get, as I said to you, there's hate that gets poured in to um, that heads my way. But to see the impact and the energy it's given the younger generation, not even the younger generation, the, the people that are older than me as well in football that return to football or people around me in my space where it could be coaches or it could be like someone in their own environment office job or it couldn't be anything to do with football, but they read my story or they saw my video. Um, I'm just not going to stop what I'm doing because what I'm doing is paving a way for the future generations and for everyone at the moment. And it's something that we haven't looked at in such a long time. And I didn't even realize when I came out in 2021, that there is no gay footballer that exists. So that just goes to show that, you know, we are paving the way and moving forward in the right direction. And yeah, I'm, it's only been like two years since coming out. So um, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing at the moment um, and leading the pack in that way because it seems to be working and the effects of millions and millions around the world through just what I'm doing and through my social media and through my uh, Instagram account is uh, absolutely phenomenal. So I want to keep leading the way in that path. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, just the fact that you've amassed such a huge following shows that so many people are inspired by it, which I mean, of course, since it's worldwide, unfortunately, I'm sure there's loads of people for whom you've inspired them, but they maybe don't feel safe coming out, whether that's because of their country or because of their family or even, unfortunately, their teammates. What would your advice be to those people who don't feel happy coming out yet, how they can deal with that? If they still want to stay involved in football or they still want to do this or that? Yeah, well, in my journey, I didn't trust anyone. I didn't trust um i didn't want to tell anyone i didn't want to go to a therapist i didn't want to get help because i kept it all to myself but it came to a point in my life where i just didn't want to continue it that way um it does have a huge toll on you and your mental health and space but look what i can say to them it was the best thing i've ever done it changed my life significantly on a personal level and for my footballing career um so i've had such a positive response outside of football as well that has allowed me to grow as josh the human being yes it's great to have josh the role model and josh the footballer but also josh the human being is growing as well and he gets to be himself whereas for so many years he had to put that aside and hide and act like 
what people would think he is, you know. So um, it's the best thing you can ever do. And, you know, there's a lot of people in the world at the moment that find themselves in that hole that feel like they're stuck. But my advice is when they're ready at the right time, there's no rush. Some people are ready to come out now. Some people are ready to come out in a year's time. Some people don't want to come out at all. It's their own personal journey. So you can't really tell someone what or what they should or can and can't do. Um, but it's important to just tell them your experience and guide them in a way that what they can see in the future if they were to come out. Oh, I mean, it's great that you seem to be bringing together so Josh the person, Josh the role model, Josh the footballer. All, all into one super, superhuman. And I was wondering if you have now any any bigger plans for football, maybe moving to Europe in the future? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Europe is on the cards. Um, I am still really young. Look, I was lucky enough to get a contract at 16, a uh, professional footballing contract. So I was still in school at the time. I was in year 11. So um, yeah, I'm 23 now. It's been seven years. Um, and I have so much room to grow and learn. I'm really hungry to be... Uh, the best football I can possibly be and to be the best on the world stage. So I'm going to keep putting my head down and work hard. And when it is the right time to go overseas, I will. There has been plenty of offers overseas that have come my way, but I'm just waiting for the right one and the right moment that um, and the right team that I want to go and thrive and show who Josh is on, on a world scale. And it's been fantastic playing in Australia for so long, but um, there is going to be a time where I want to go overseas. Uh, it's just uh, picking the right moments and the right team. Yeah, Ollie and I, we just cannot relate to that. I think we're both just terrible at football. <laughs> Who knows? Football is a funny game. You don't know where it takes you. We could be having this conversation, then next week something comes up. You just never know. Well, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. But in, in general, I mean, even the, even the fact that you're talking about playing for like European clubs and you're playing for, for in the Australian top flight, it's which is obviously a whole country. And... It's it's obviously must be, is it stressful being a footballer in such high pressure environments? I, I would say like at the start, it's all like when I made my debut when I was younger and I played for the first time, I played for the first 10 times, you kind of like absorb it all and you're really nervous and you look around, you can see people in the crowd and stuff. But been playing for so long now, you know, when I step out on that field, it's like Josh switches on and... I don't really understand what's my surroundings in the crowd because you're just so focused on the game and you've been playing it for such a long time now and the nerves are gone and you don't feel nervous stepping on that field. So it's kind of like a switch, I would say, when you know I step out on the field, I'm, I'm Josh, I'm ready to go. Like, And then when I step off the field, I can like relax and kind of be myself. But it's time to work when you step on that field. Do you see the Australian Football League, How, how have you seen it develop? I'm, I'm just curious if you've seen it like getting bigger. I've, I've been hearing more about it in any case. And I was wondering what you think the future of the Australian league is. Yeah, look, I definitely think it's grown um, since the World Cup where the Socceroos played. I think we did shock the world a lot that we do have a lot of talent in uh, Australian football. And this last transfer window was like a record for how many Aussie players went overseas. Um, it was absolutely crazy. So, And they went to huge clubs as well. So, um, yeah, it's definitely put us on the radar um, since that World Cup. And you can see with the Matildas now, with the FIFA uh, Women's World Cup, how well they're doing as well and what crowds we're bringing in and how good Australian football is in the boys' and girls' aspect. Uh, yeah, the female 
the female World Cup is going on right now. I don't know if you have you been following it closely. Yeah, yeah. The girls played last night. They won two 0 so they're on to the semi-finals now, which is uh, absolutely fantastic. The reception they got is been absolutely phenomenal, and it's been really cool. And it's just great to see because it shows that we're capable of holding maybe one day a FIFA Men's World Cup. So it's um it's going really well here. Yeah, I think it's to be honest, it's really about how much money is put into it, how much development is is around it, and it's so heartwarming to see that women's football is now being pushed by even I don't know by even the footballing world itself where whereas maybe that wasn't so common in the past definitely yeah I saw this stat and it was like five years ago the girls playing um in Australia and they had like less than 500 people at their games and then last night they had like 72,000 uh people at their games so it was like a world it was like a record in, in Melbourne so um, yeah, it's definitely come a long way, and you can see it too. When you know, when you go, especially in Adelaide here, everyone's playing soccer. Um, that wasn't happening like five, ten years ago. It was a more they play AFL here, so they played more footy. Um, so it's nice to see the dynamic change and the and the world of football growing in Australia. And it's just going to be a matter of time before we go higher and higher on the world scale. Yeah. So when you were younger, then coming through the ranks in the the football youth. What was that personal development like? And do you feel that football also affected your your personal life a lot? Yeah, it was very difficult because at the same time I was going through school, I was getting promoted into first teams um, and football started to get quite serious. And then I was also discovering who I was as a person. And then I had to leave my hometown to go to another hometown, um, which is Adelaide here because I'm not from Adelaide. Um, so... A lot happened in finding my personal self too. It was difficult. I didn't have money. Uh, there was times where I was homeless as well. Um, so I've been at a lot of different scales from very low in life to high as well. But I'll never forget the days that I was very low. And it made me the person I am today. You know, as much fame or as much success that comes my way, I was still lay level headed and not treat you differently to any way I, I want to be treated. And I just don't see the point in people having egos and thinking they're better than someone because of what they do or who they are. So yeah, I've had a very tough upbringing and it's just painted the person I am today and I won't be changing. I can't, it's such a shame that you people have to be homeless in order to chase their dreams. Could you tell us a little bit about that? And like, was that whilst you were coming up and on the edge of being pro? Or? Yeah. So, um, after, Three and a half years of being pro, um, my coach turned around in Melbourne and said to me I wasn't good enough uh, to be a professional footballer. At the time, I was playing for Australia um, and I was playing for my country at under-20s level. And it was a little bit of a shock to me because I was playing really well for my age and I was playing for my country. Um, and then my soccer team coach said, I'm not good enough to play football or be a professional footballer. So that was a hard point in my life I was about 19 years old and that's when I came here to Adelaide it's about an eight hour drive from where I am where I was in Melbourne so that's where my hometown is um, so I got in my car and I drove here and I remember I had $35 in my bank account uh, when I got here so um, I came here on a three-day trial um, and I just wanted to give it everything I got and after the first day um, they said to me yeah, we want to sign you um, so for the next like seven I think it was about eight days I was living in my car um, I would drive away from the training ground, sleep in my car um, and have showers at the training ground. But I wouldn't want to tell the boys because I didn't want them to look at me any differently or I was there to make an impact and, and to be the best footballer I could possibly be. So I knew that it was sacrifice that I had to do. And just financially, I was, I was broke. I didn't have any money and stuff. So it's definitely um, 
made me the person I am today. Looking back at that, it's definitely gave me characteristics that I would never drop or change. Yeah, I think it's one of the parts of being often being a top flight professional. One of the things that makes it so satisfying is that you've like sacrificed so much on the way. I mean, you hit. You hear that kind of thing all the time. But I mean, you must be sacrificing still a lot at the moment. How, how do you find balancing, like, for example, even just social life, spending time with family? You said you wake up at 4.30 every morning, for example. How do you find trying to balance that and making those sacrifices? Yeah, look, at the end of the day, I want to be the best in my industry. Um, I'm not here to participate. I'm here to be one of the greatest in Australia. So I'm willing to do the sacrifices that need that I need to do and you know it's hard because times where I don't see my family for over six months or over seven months um unfortunately they're in a different state so we can't just jump in a car and go visit each other but that's the sacrifices that I want to do in order to be the best football I needed to be you know I need to be in Adelaide in Australia to be um working on my development and environment that I'm in because I'm thriving here at the moment so um, that's the sacrifices you need to do and uh, what I needed to take in order to get to the level I am today. What was yeah? What was that like when you were growing up then, when you had that social life? I don't know if you enjoy clubbing, but for example, I often feel, even with this podcast, for example, I wake, I wake up in the morning and I'm tired from clubbing the night before and then that night I'm not going out while all my friends are going out and it's like, shit, I'm sacrificing my social life for my what quote-unquote career yeah it's it's a lot of missing out i would say in my uh teenagehood all my friends would go clubbing and it looked cool it looked fun but i had a game the next day or i had training the next morning at 8 a.m so they're the sacrifices i needed to take in order to trace my dream and i'm so glad i did that i yes it, it would have been fun to go to the clubs and stuff like that but that's just the small sacrifices and the one percent as i did to go to the gym instead of going to a club um to get me where i am today and it's just what separates you from the pack is those one percenters that might not look like a major difference but you add them all up and that's 10 percent difference to the person sitting next to you so they're the little sacrifices i had to do and i want to do in order to be the best football i can possibly be yeah, it's. I mean, it does require a lot of strength to kind of stick stick to your to that path, and it also must have taken a lot of strength to, to I don't know to to feel one identity. So you feel that you're homosexual, and then have to keep that to yourself. While especially maybe in the football world, there's so much of this lads culture where you talk about women in a certain way, and there's this this whole culture around it which doesn't really. Is it a little bit hostile towards LGBTQ, the LGBTQ community in my eyes? Yeah, well, my environment that I'm in in Adelaide, that's not acceptable. So it's one of our culture things that we wouldn't, we wouldn't see players talking about people in that sort of way. We wouldn't see coaching staff talking about that people in a certain way. But look, for one example, a game after I came out against Melbourne Victory, there's homophobic abuse at me um, and that was pretty bad. But for something that happened really bad, we ended up making a pride round for that round every year. And so we took one step backwards in the homophobic abuse, but we took three steps forward in creating a yearly celebration of a pride round. And now it's a huge hit in Australia and it's an event that everyone looks forward to. And it was one of the biggest sellout games at Adelaide United when we had a pride game. Um, so it was really cool to see the progress and the development we had of something that was a setback. So. As I said before, 
because I'm a first footballer, there is going to be a lot of trial and error and there's going to be a lot of backward steps that get thrown my way. But I can take that in my stride to create these pride events, to create that little Josh to want to play football or that, that kid in South Africa that wants to feel like he doesn't fit in, in his football team but wants to pick a ball up. Like, this is the steps I'm willing to take to sacrifice for those progressions to be made. Yeah, it's amazing that you have such that sort of environment at Adelaide and that that permitted you to do that. But I remember you saying earlier in the interview, for example, before um, at other teams, obviously without saying anything specific, you didn't feel comfortable. What was the sort of environment that came along with that that made you feel like it, it, it wouldn't be okay to come out for the army? Yeah, I think that like, you know, when you're in the change room, the conversations that go on in there, it's quite like masculine. And as we said before, it's quite... Um, toxic in that space of the footballing world some people have cultures that are quite backwards so um, there was staffing people and also players that I would just not feel comfortable in being myself because they would say something about an LGBTQ person in a negative way and it just makes that person just makes me sitting in the change room that wasn't out go more in my shell and say I would never come out in the world of football uh, after hearing what people are saying about LGBTQ plus players, because at the end of the day, you know, you're a team, you want to be one as one, like you want to be together and to know that you wouldn't fit in and someone saying something bad about a person that has rainbow laces um, on their shoes is just a step backwards. So that's an example of like something that affected me when I was in other teams that I would see and would help would not help my case in coming out and would make me want to hide instead. Do you think a part of it has to do with, for a lot of people maybe to an extent growing up? I don't know if you feel like, obviously for some people it's sort of, um, they, that homophobia unfortunately is sort of ingrained, but do you feel like it was maybe worse when you were younger? E even, I know like at the schoolboy primary, like primary school level, there was often like, like certain people would just use homophobic slurs like as banter almost. And then that sort of faded away a little bit as, as people mature, do you feel like there's a certain aspect of that? Yeah, definitely. Look, people have it and you can't control what people say. You know, sometimes people will just say something without thinking, but um, yeah, it's, it's quite hurtful in, in the way some people say it. It's just the same thing of, for people of color um, when, when people say bad things about that too. So it's no different in that aspect, but yeah, look, you can't control what people are going to say and what's going to come your way, but you can control how you react to it and deal with it. And I just think with through my coming out, it's creating awareness and it's making people realise what they say and to be a little bit more careful because you don't know who on your left or right shoulder is going through that situation. It's so powerful. I was wondering how you bounce back if, from hate because online it's just this, this such a toxic community sometimes, not always, but you, you have these little pockets of such negativity. I was wondering how you deal with that and face that adversity. Yeah, look, it's very tough because it'll get you at random times, you know, a notification will pop up at 3 a.m. in the morning and you don't realize it and then it catches you off guard and then it makes you think and it's just like, it's not very nice and they go from all the way from being homophobic to abusive messages to suicidal messages. So it's quite difficult to switch off and to um, detach yourself from that. At the end of the day, you know, I've had so much love and so much support. You know, when I came out, I had so many messages that I still haven't been able to get to today because there's been that many. But to see the love and the impact it's had of these people, I just know that it's just garbage when I hear that rubbish from someone that it could be just, I click on the profile and it's like 
no followers, no name attached <laughs> to it, blank, like no photos. But it just amazes me how someone will go out of their way to put someone down like that. But it just shows how like burden it is still to be LGBTQ plus in the world of sport and in real life, no one even looks a second when you see two guys or two girls holding hands. So look, it just shows how much we have to progress still in the world of football and um, how important it is for me to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned the like blank profile and no followers thing because we were asking um, Alistair Campbell. I'm not sure if you know him. He's like an English politician, but um, he's received a lot of hate for stuff in his career and whatever. And we asked him how he dealt with it. And he said he always imagines it's sort of some guy or girl like sat on the toilet who's like upset with their life and they're just like spewing out hate from this account which they like don't even have any accountability for and it's, it is often the case like people who just people who want to put people down often have something going on with them it's crazy right it's 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 it just puzzles me but i don't know if if you are on the other end if you're if you're me looking at my phone and you see how much love and support that i get on a daily basis from doing what I'm doing and continuing this journey, it outweighs any of that hate. And as I said, you can bring all the hate you want my way. I'm not going to be changing what I'm doing um, to know that I have little kids coming up to me and say they feel like they have a place in the world because of my story. You can bring all the hate out you want. I'm not changing my ways. Oh, it, it's so great because well, you're, still, you're still young. You're 23. Ollie and I were, were 20. So to have someone basically our age you're such a, a a figurehead and a leader for for a large community it's it's amazing to see and it's part of the reason why we wanted to to speak to you in the first place <laughs> thank you it's an honor to to be told that so thank you yeah no worries i was um unfortunately we don't have that much time left but as part of the conclusion we wanted to ask some some football questions i was i was firstly wondering messi or ronaldo Messi. <laughs> really? Why? Why? Yeah, I'm team Messi. I'm team Messi. Growing up, my favorite team was Barcelona. Um, so I've Ooh. always had a passion with uh, Messi. And yeah, it's just he's the way he is as a footballer and the way he dribbles. And it's just oh, he's just an icon in that aspect. And I wish to one day take 1% of his skill and add it to my game because he's just an absolutely incredible player. So yeah, he's just one of my favorite footballers. Yeah, I wanted to um I wanted to finish by asking you if there's any like big talents that you see maybe that are coming up. Who do you see as like the next big talent coming up from like grassroots Australian football? Are there anyone that are in the A League now that are making their way up? Look, we've had a lot of Aussies that have transferred over to um the European leagues within this summer. So um it's I'll just say keep an eye out for all the Aussies over there. We're doing really well. Um I would say about like just under 30 players went overseas. So it was huge for Australian football and it's never heard of. Um, so, yeah, you might see a few Aussies popping up on the radar um, overseas. But hopefully one day that's myself too because I want to be over there playing really well and playing at a highest level and hopefully in the EPL for Liverpool. Um, so, yeah. Ooh, oh, really? Liverpool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who do you see as the, as the biggest talent worldwide, apart from yourself, of course? When I was growing up, my favorite player was Sancho. Ooh, um, but I'm a I'm a Dortmund fan, Borussia Dortmund. You are? Yeah, yeah, I'm a Dortmund fan yeah. too. So, um, oh. yeah, he was he was um a huge, especially when he was playing in Dortmund, um a huge role model of mine, and I would love to and be so entertained by watching him play and what he's achieved at such a young age 
especially when he was at Dortmund, was absolutely phenomenal and crazy. So yeah, he's one of the, the I would say, upcoming talents when I was younger that I really looked up to. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. And it's also, he had some issues, I think, with his mental health, which is something that Deli Ali spoke about recently as well. I don't know if you saw it on the news, but he, he spoke a lot about his childhood. And it's power. It's the thing is, when you're a footballer in the spotlight like that, I feel there's so much pressure and there's so much against you. Oh, you are such a big talent. And now for Deli Ali, for example, you're not doing as well as people thought. And, and there's just so much pressure on you in that sense i feel of course of course it's um you know it's the same in in australian football it's uh you feel their pain you know what they're going through but yeah it's um for example imagine balancing that on top of trying to be who you are as a person so it is a very difficult path and it's not an easy game to play um it isn't just going on the park and putting on your boots and having fun with your friends it's um it's it's a very hard difficult sport yeah no and your your story this is just has really been an inspiration to to many people around the world. I was I was wondering if you had maybe a final message or concluding thoughts with this interview for maybe people around the world looking to you uh, as a, an inspiration. Yeah, I would just say just like don't ever change yourself. Uh, be you. Be comfortable to be in your own skin. You know, don't ever let someone's words or someone's silly comment change who you are and who you love to be and who you want to grow up as and live your life as so don't let the outside noise influence you and just to be comfortable in your own skin thank you josh i i unfortunately have to say that we've run out of time but i do want to say thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for joining us on the podcast today we had loads of fun no thank you ollie and lucas thank you so much for having me i had an absolute ball and it was an honor to come on here and have a chat with you guys yeah thank, thank you so much for that no worries you're welcome guys this has been the love podcast guys thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week